0: We just realized we've been reading this series since March, okay? For six months. Six months. We are over it. We're so over it. We're going to try and power through this. So we're going to do some math. If we want to finish this by the end of September so that we can start Halloween Spooky Books in October, we have, there's 13 chapters times five because we have five books left. That's 65 chapters. Okay. If we divide that by 30, that means we're going to have to read 2.16 so like three, but if we read four chapters a day. Four, times. Let's see, twenty equals eighty. Oh yeah, we'll be done. Okay, let's do this. We can do this. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. I know. Are you kind of over this? You like the you like the shows though. It's it's easier. I know, cause it's like visually. I'm popping Peyton's toes. Oh God, that was loud. Oh my God! Oh my God! No. Oh my God! I hope you heard some of that. Okay, let's power through this. Um, honestly, we mean business. A series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket, Book the Ninth, The Carnivorous Carn- Carnival. Chapter one, when my workday is over and I have closed my notebook and hidden my pen and sawed my holes in my rented canoe so that it cannot be found, I often like to spend the evening in conversation with my few surviving friends. Sometimes we discuss literature. Sometimes we discuss people who are trying to destroy us. And if there's any hope of escaping from them, and if there's any hope from escaping from them. And sometimes we discuss frightening and troublesome animals that might be nearby. And this topic always leads to much disagreement over the part of the frightening and troublesome beast that is the most frightening and troublesome. Some say my teeth are the beast because because teeth are used for are used for eating children and often their parents gnawing their bones. Some say claws of the beast because claws are for ripping things to shreds. And some say the hair of the beast because the hair can make allergic people sneeze. But I always insist that the most frightening part of the beast is their belly for the simple reason, because seeing the belly of the beast means you've already seen the teeth and the beast and the claws and the beast, a claws of the beast and even the hair of the beast. And now you're trapped in there and there's probably no hope for you. For this real reason, the phrase in the belly of the beast has become an expression, which means inside some terrible place with a little chance of escape safe escaping safely, is not an expression one should look forward to using. I'm sorry to tell you that this book will use the expression, the belly of the beast, three times before it's over. Not counting all the times I've already used belly of the beast in order to warn you of all the times we're going to use belly of the beast in it, how it will appear. Time and time again, this course the course of this story the characters inside some terrible places with little chance of escaping and for that reason i would put the book down and escape yourself because this woeful story is so very dark and wretched and damp that this experience of reading it will make you feel as if you were in the belly of the beast and that time won't count either the Baudelaire orphans were in the belly of the beast that is the dark and cramped trunk of a long black automobile Unless you're a small portable object, you probably prefer to sit in a seat when you're traveling by an automobile, but so you can oh so you can lean back the and against the upholstery, looking out the window of, at the scenery going by and feeling safe and secure with a seatbelt fastened low across your lap. But the Baudelaires could not lean back, and their bodies were aching from squishing up against one another for several hours. They had no window to look out of; only a few bolt holes in the trunk made made. Some violent encounter that I had not had the courage to research. And they felt anything but safe and secure as they thought about the other passengers in the car and tried to imagine what they were where they were going. The driver of the automobile was a man named Count Olaf, a wicked person with one eyebrow instead of two. And agreed to desire for money instead of respect for people the old the Baudelaires had met Count Olaf after receiving the news of their parents had been killed in a terrible fire and soon discovered that he was only interested in the enormous fortune their mother and father had left behind with increasing determination a phrase here which means no matter where the three children went Count Olaf pursued them trying to one dastardly technique after another to get their hands on the fortune so far he had been unsuccessful although he had had plenty of help from his girlfriend Esme may squalor an equally wicked if more fashionable person was now sitting beside him in front of the seat of the automobile and an associate an assortment of assistants including the bald man with an enormous nose Two women who liked to wear white powder all over their faces, and a nasty man who had hooked for hands and hooks instead of hands. All of these people were sitting in the back of the automobile, where the children could sometimes hear them speaking over the roar of the engine and the sounds of the road. One would think that such a wretched crew as traveling companions that the that the Baudelaire siblings, would have found some. Some other way to travel rather than sneaking around in a trunk, but the three children had been fleeing from their circumstances, even more frightening and dangerous than Olaf and his assistants, and there had been no time to be choosy. But as their journey wore on, Violet, Klaus, and Sunny grew more and more worried about their situation. The sunlight coming through the bullet holes faced faded to evening and the road beneath them turned bumpy and rough and the Baudelaire orphans tried to imagine where they were as they were going and what would happen if they got there when they got there are we there yet the voice of the hook-handed man broke and broke a long silence I told you not to ask me that anymore replied Count Olaf with a snarl we'll we'll get there when we get there and that is that could we possibly make a short stop, asked one of the white-faced women. I noticed a sign for a rest station a few miles out. We don't have time to stop anywhere, Count Olaf said sharply. If you need to use a bathroom, you should have gone before we left. But the hospital was on fire, the woman whined. Yes, let's stop, said the bald man. We haven't had anything to eat since lunch, and my stomach is grumbling. We can't stop, Esme said. There are no restaurants out in hinterland- in the hinterlands- in the hinterlands that we are in. Violet, who was the eldest of the Baudelaire, stretched her her stretched to her pl- whoa stretched to place her hand on Klaus's stiff shoulder and held her baby sister Sunny even tighter, as if to communicate with her siblings without speaking. Okay, just so you know, after three hours, I would literally have to pee so bad, wouldn't you? you might, yeah, it's true. You're a camel. Yeah. Esme Squalor was constantly talking about whether or not things were in a word here she used for stylish but the children were more interested in in overhearing what the car was where the car was taking them the hinderlands were the vast empty place far between the very outskirts of the city without even a small village of 100 100 for 100 miles long ago the baudelaire parents had promised that they would bring their children there someday to see the famous hinderland sunsets klaus who was a voracious reader had read the descriptions of the sunsets that he had made the whole family eager to go and violet who had been a who had a real talent for inventing things even begun before had even begun building a solar oven so the family could enjoy grilled cheese sandwiches as they watched the dark blue light spread across the early hinderlands what did i say maybe perhaps yeah um the cacti while the sun slowly sank behind the distant frosty mountain mormon mountains mort main mountains never did the three siblings imagine that they would visit the hinterlands by themselves stuck in the trunk of a villain boss are you sure it's safe way out here asked the hook-handed man if the police come looking for us there's no place to hide "'We could always disguise ourselves again,' the bald man said. "'Everything we need is in the trunk of our car.' "'We don't need to hide,' Olaf replied. "'And we don't need to disguise ourselves either. "'Thanks to that silly reporter at the Daily Punctilio, "'the whole world thinks I'm dead, remember?' "'You're dead?' Esme said with a nasty chuckle. "'Ha, ha, ha, ha. "'And the three Baudelaire brats are murderers. "'And we don't need to hide. "'We need to celebrate. "'We can't celebrate yet,' Olaf said.' There are two last things that we need to do. First, we need to destroy that last piece of evidence that could send us to jail—the Snicket file, as May said—and the Baudelaire shuddered in the trunk. The three children had found one page of the Snicket file, which was now safe in Klaus's pocket. It was difficult to tell them from only one from only one page, but the Snicket file seemed to contain information about a survivor of the fire, and the Baudelaire's were eager to find the remaining page, be- remaining pages before Olaf did. Yes, of course, the hook-handed man said. We have to find that Snicket file. But what's the second thing? We have to find the Baudelaire's, you idiot! Oh my gosh, Peyton, is idiot a bad word? hmm You don't know? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Sorry if it is, guys. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe, we have to find the little layers, you idiots, Olaf snarled. If we don't find them, then we can't steal their fortune and all of my schemes will be a waste. I haven't found your schemes to be a waste, said one of the white-faced women. I have enjoyed them very, very much, even if we haven't gotten their fortune. Do you think all three of those bratty orphans got out of the hospital alive, the bald man asked. Those children seems to ha- seem have seem to have all the luck in the world, Count Olaf said, so they're probably alive and well, but... It would it would sure make things easier if one or two of them burned to a crisp. We'll need one of them alive to get the fortune. I hope it's Sunny, the candid man said. It was fun putting her in a cage, and I look forward to doing it again. I myself hope it's Violet, Olaf said. She's the prettiest. I don't care who it is, Esme said. I just want to know where they are. Well, Madame Lulu will know, Olaf said. With her crystal ball, she'll be able to tell us where the orphans are, where the file is, and where everything else we want to know. I never believed in things like crystal balls, remarked the white faced woman. But when this Madame Lulu started telling me how to find the Baudelaires every time they escape, I learned that the fortune telling is real. Stick with me, Olaf said, and you'll learn lots of new things. Oh, here's a turn for rarely here's the turn for rarely ridden road were almost there. The car lurched to the left, and the Baudelaires lurched with it, rolling to the left of the suck tr- trunk, along with many items Olaf kept in his car to help him das- with his dastardly plots. Violet tried not to cough as one of his fake beards tickled her throat. Klaus held his hand up to his face so that the sighting Sliding toolbox wouldn't break his glasses, and Sunny shut her mouth tightly so that she wouldn't get one of Olaf's dirty undershirts tangled in her sharp teeth. Rarely ridden road was even bumpier than the highway that they had been traveling on, and the car made so much noise that the children could not hear any more of the conversation until Olaf had pulled the automobile to a creaky stop. "'Are we there yet?' the hook-handed man asked. "'Of course we're here, you fool,' Olaf said. "'Look, there's a sign.' caligari carnival where the mad where is madame lulu asked the bald man where do you think esme asked everyone laughed the doors of the automobile opened with a scraping sound and the car lurched again everyone piled out should i get the wine should i get the wine out of the trunk boss the man at the bald man asked the baudelaires froze no count olaf madame lulu will have plenty of res- refreshments for us the three children lie very still and listened as olaf and his troop trudged away from the car their footsteps grew fainter and fainter until the siblings could hear nothing but the evening breeze as it whistled through the bullet holes and at last it seemed safe for the baudelaire orphans to speak to one another what are we going to do violet asked pushing the beard away from her "Muriel," sunny said like many people her age the youngest baudelaire sometimes used language that was difficult for some people to understand but her siblings knew at once that she meant something like "'We'd better get out of this trunk.' Well, "'As soon as possible,' Klaus agreed. "'We don't know how soon Olaf and his troop will return. "'Violet, do you think that we can invent something to get us— "'you can invent something to get us out of here?' "'It shouldn't be too hard,' Violet said, "'with all of this stuff in the trunk.' "'She reached over her hand and felt around "'until she felt a mechanism that was keeping the trunk closed. "'I've studied this kind of latch before,' she said. "'All I need to do is move this loop— "'this loop of strong twine— Feel around it and see if I can find something. There's something wrapped around my left arm, Klaus said, squirming. It feels more like to be a part of a turban that Olaf wore when he disguised himself as as Coach Genghis. That was too thick, Violet said. It needs to slip between two parts of the lock. Simja, Sunny said. That's my shoelace, Sunny, Klaus said. "We'll We'll save that as a last resort, Violet said. We can't have you tripping all over the place if we're trying to escape wait i think i found something underneath this spare tire what is it i don't know violet said feels like a skinny cord with something around the f- with a flat end on it i bet it's a monocle klaus said you know that funny one eye one eyepiece that he wore when he was pretending to be gunther the auctioneer i think you're right violet said well this monocle helped olaf with his scheme and now it's going to help us with ours sunny try to move over a bit so we can see if this will work Sunny squirmed over as far as she could, and Violet reached around her sibling and slipped the cord of Olaf's monocle around the lock of the trunk. The three children listened as Violet wiggled her invention around the latch, and after a few seconds, they heard a quiet click, and the door of the trunk swung open and long, with a long, slow creak. As the cool air rushed in, the Baudelaire stayed absolutely still in case the noise of the trunk caught Olaf's attention. But the Baudelaires and his assistants were too fast and too far away because after a few seconds the children could hear nothing but chirping of the evening crickets and the faint barking of a dog. The Baudelaires looked at one another, squinting in the dim light without another word. Violet and Klaus climbed out of the trunk and lifted their sister out out into the night. The famous hinterland sunset was just ending and everything the children saw bathed in dark blue as if Count Olaf had driven them into the depths of the ocean. It was a large wooden sign, on, a large wooden sign with the words Calgary Carnival printed on the old-fashioned script along with the, with a faded painting of a lion chasing frightened little boy. Behind the sign was a small booth advertising tickets for sale and a phone booth that gleamed in the blue light. Behind these two booths was an enormous roller coaster, a phrase here which means a series of small cars that people can sit and race up and down frightening hills, uh, steep and frightening hills of tracks for no discernible reason. But it was clever and it was clear and even in the fading light that the roller coaster had not been used for quite some time because the tracks were... Tracks and carts were overgrown with ivy and other winding plants, which made the carnival attraction look as if it were about to sink into the earth. Past the roller coasters was a row of enormous tents, shivering in the evening breeze like jellyfish. Alongside the tent was a carnival, which people... A caravan which people wheeled carriages and used as a home by people who lived who travel frequently, the caravans and tents had all different designs painted on the sides, but the Baudelaires knew at once which caravan was Madame Lulu's because it was decorated with an enormous eye. The eye matched the tattoo of Count Olaf's left ankle, and the Baudelaires had seen many times in their life, and it made them shiver to think that they could not escape it even if the, even in the hinderlands. "'Now that we're out of the trunk,' Klaus said, "'let's get out of the area. "'Olaf and his troop can get back any minute.' "'But where are we going to go?' Violet asked. "'We're in the hinderlands of Count Olaf's, Count Olaf's oh, Olaf's comrades,' "'said that there was no place to hide.' "'Well, we're just going to have to find one,' Klaus said. "'It can't be safe to hang around any place where Count Olaf is welcome.' "'Aye,' Sunny said, pointing to Madame Lulu's caravan.' but we can't go wandering around the countryside again, Violet said. The last time we did that, we ended up in even more trouble. Well, maybe we can call the police from the phone booth, Klaus said. "Dragnets," Sunny said, which meant, but the police think we're murderers. I suppose we can try and call Mr. Poe, Violet said. He didn't answer the telegram that we sent him asking for help, but maybe we'll have better luck on the phone. The three siblings looked at one another without much hope. Mr. Poe was the Vice-President of the Orphan Affairs at Multuary Money Management, a large bank in the city, and part of his job was overseeing the Baudelaire's affairs after the fire. Mr. Poe was not a wicked oh after the fire, Mr. Poe was not a wicked person, but he had mistakenly placed them the the company of so many wickedness that he had almost that he had been almost as wicked as an actual wicked person, and the children were not particularly eager to contact him again, even if it was all that they could think of. It's probably a slim chance that he'll be he'll be of any help. Violet admitted, but what? But we have what have we got to lose? Let's not think about that. Klaus said, and walked over to the phone booth. Maybe Mister Poe will at least let us explain ourselves. Valrez Sonny said which meant something like we need we need money to make a phone call and i don't have any Klaus said reaching into his pocket do you have any money Violet Violet shook her head let's call the operator and see if there's a way that we can place a call without paying for it Klaus nodded and opened the door of the booth so that he and his sisters could crowd inside but violet lifted the receiver and dialed zero for operator while klaus lifted sunny up to all three so all three siblings could hear the conversation operator said the operator good evening violet said my siblings and i would like to place a call please deposit the proper amount of money the operator said we don't have the proper amount of money violet said we don't have any money at all but this is an emergency there was a faint wheezing noise from the phone and the baudelaires realized the operator was singing uh, was sighing what is the exact nature of your emergency? Violet looked down at her siblings and saw the last of the sunsets blue reflecting off of Klaus's glasses and Sonny's teeth. As the dark closed around them, the nature of their emergency seemed so enormous that it would take the rest of the night to explain to the telephone operator. The, to the, and the eldest, Baudelaire, tried to figure out how she could summarize in a word here that means tell the story in a way that would convince the operator to let them talk to Mr. Poe. Well, she began. My name is Violet Baudelaire, and I'm here with my brother Klaus and my sister Sunny. Our names might sound a bit familiar to you because the Daily Punctilio has published an article saying that Veron that we're Veronica Clyde and Susie Baudelaire, and that were murderers who killed Count Olaf. But Count well, Count Omar, but Count Omar is really Count Olaf, and he's not really dead. He faked his death by killing another person with the same tattoo and framed. Framed us for the murder. Recently, he has destroyed a hospital while trying to capture us, but we managed to hide in the trunk of his car as he drove off with the comrades. Now, we've gotten out of the trunk and we're trying to reach Mr. Poe so he can help us get a hold of the naked file, which we think might explain the initials of VFD and what they stand for, and if one of our parents survived the fire after all. I know this is a very complicated story and it may seem unbelievable to you, but we're all by ourselves in the hinderlands and we don't know what else to do. The story was so terrible that Violet had cried a little bit while telling it. She brushed a tear away from her eye as She waited for a reply from the operator, but no voice came out of the phone. The three Baudelaire's listened carefully, but all they could hear was an empty, distant sound of the telephone line. Hello, Violet said firmly. The telephone said nothing. Hello, Violet said again. Hello, hello. The operator didn't answer. Hello, Violet said as she dared. I think we'd better hang up, Klaus said but why isn't anyone answering? Klaus said. Violet said, I don't know. Klaus said, but I don't think that the operator will help us. Violet hung up the phone and opened the door to the booth. Now the sun was down and the air was getting cooler. She delivered, she shivered in the evening breeze. Who will help us? She asked, who will take care of us? We have to take care of ourselves. Klaus said, irifari, Sunny said, which meant, but we're, we're in real trouble now. We sure are, Violet agreed. We're in the middle of nowhere with no place to hide and a whole, the whole world thinks we're criminals. How do criminals take care of themselves in the hinderlands? The Baudelaire's heard a burst of last laughter as if in reply. The laughter was quite faint, but it still, in the still evening it made the children jump. Sunny pointed and the children could see a light in the window in Madame Lulu's caravan. Several shadows moved, moved across the window and the children could tell that Count Olaf and his troop were inside. Chatting and laughing while the Baudelaire orphan shivered outside in the gloom. Let's go see, Klaus said. Let's go find out how criminals take care of themselves. selves. Aw, these poor kids. And Peyton is asleep. Super duper asleep. Yep. Oh, that was a tiny... Oh, that was so cute. That was a tiny snore. She's going to kill me for saying that.